The week from hell in the Tennessee legislature. House Speaker Glenn Cassida faces more trouble, and the legislature wraps up in a frenzied last day of session. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of May 6th. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. All right, Natalie, we've got a whirlwind of news to cover. Uh, We are going to try and do it in an abbreviated fashion because we're still in the midst of reporting some of this latest stuff related to House Speaker Glenn Cassida. I've already said it uh, many times before for those of you that have been living under a rock. Here's a brief little recap. Natalie, throwing to you. Okay, so this, I mean, yeah, this was a crazy week. You called it the week from hell. I guess it was. I guess the and it's most Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, and Thursday. I mean, if we're if we're thinking just in the last several days, Thursday was pretty nuts too. We'll get into that as well later on. Uh, Monday, we thought it was going to be, you know, the start of the first day of the week, post-session. We Generally went, a period where we yes. can relax and we just let go for a little bit. just gotten to our new office here at the Tennessean. <laughs> uh, we, we moved offices. Monday was the first day. And not long into the morning, um, a story breaks that Glenn Cassidy, chief of staff, Cade Cawthron, um, is admitting to having used cocaine in the previous legislative office building after... News Channel 5 had um, obtained text messages in which Kate is bragging about his use of cocaine, um, supposedly photos and videos as well. Uh, so we, we confirmed that with, with Kate. He, you know, he had his talking points that he was, he was deeply sorry. He was um, a changed man that this, that, you know, he was given a second chance because he had approached Glenn Cassida about his life being out of control and he hadn't used any drugs since then. And that was sort of uh, what the speaker's office was was hoping to keep pushing throughout the day um, in an effort to, to, you know, I think, move on from this. Well, and a reminder, uh, this was preceded by late uh, Thursday or at least last Thursday story from uh, News Channel 5's Phil Williams related to some other salacious texts that yes. uh, Kid Cawthorn had uh, apparently been sending. He was, yes, he was, um, there was a story about him the week before about him having used a racial slur, using the N-word, uh, saying that, I think he said, black people are idiots. That's what the, the text messages attributed to him said. Um, and Phil Williams had tied it into a story about whether Cade had doctored an email um, regarding Justin Jones, an activist who had been arrested at the Capitol. So fast forward to Monday, Phil Williams has a new story, this time about cocaine. Kate admits to it. The Speaker's office is trying to um, push the narrative that that he's changed and, and he had been given a second chance and had proven himself uh, to have been a changed man. And the day unfolded. Joel and I obtained text messages, uh, new text messages, that showed that Cade had also engaged in some conversations um, about, you know, sexually explicit conversations about interns in the legislature and on Glenn Cassidy's campaign several years ago, um, as well as soliciting sex from um, at least one lobbyist. So we we found that Cade had texted an intern asking for oral sex and nude photos, had asked a lobbyist about having sex with him, um, and then had also had conversations that Glenn Cassidy was included on um, in these group chats where Cassida and, and Cade and, and another guy were going back and forth, uh, making sexual jokes about Cade um, having sex in a bathroom at Party Fowl, which is like a hot chicken restaurant in Nashville. Uh, Casta refers to Cade as a Minuteman, 
uh, when he comments on how short uh, of a time Cade was gone from the table um, and some things like that. So we, so we break that story. Uh, five five o'clock, maybe? Something, Something maybe, like maybe that. Maybe in the four o'clock hour. But yeah. we initially got the response from the speaker and Cade. Uh, basically, Cade was chalking this up to, again, being amateur. Uh, that was three years ago. He has changed since then. Um, it sounds like no plans for Cade to resign or step aside, uh, of which right. was reiterated by the speaker. And we had we talked to the speaker multiple times on Monday. And in both instances, the first time with the cocaine and then when we had the information about Cade soliciting sex from an intern. We talked to him again. And in both instances, the speaker said he would continue to stand by Cade. He was not going to terminate him, call for him to resign, demote him, anything like that. Um, and then, I mean, an hour or two after that story dropped, uh, we find out that Cade has resigned. There, yeah, there, there was an apparent change of heart. It's unclear what really led to it. I would imagine the consternation among many Republicans to have this storyline not go away. Um, you know, starting with last week's revelation from from Phil Williams, building upon that with the cocaine uh, issue to now all of a sudden salacious texts for everybody to see, of which were not denied by either the speaker or Kate Cothran, even though they both kind of downplayed them, saying that they did not recall or or some other form of that. Uh, House Speaker Glenn Cassida more recently said that uh, the, the texts he was involved in were merely just locker room banter, essentially kind of uh, keying in on, on President Donald Trump's famous line uh, that he said in the 2016 campaign. Yeah. So taking a step back, I mean, looking at the timeline of the day, uh, I think the, that most people who were watching the news unfold, who were involved in reporting the news, got the sense that uh, until the news broke about the interns, um, that the speaker's office really was counting on this blowing over, which it, it to me, I, I don't understand how that could have blown over um, Kate admitting to to using cocaine in a in a legislative office building. Um, I don't know. That, that would have been something to see. Just everyone continue on as as normal, and the chief of staff continue making two hundred thousand dollars a year um, after having admitted to doing that. But it seemed like that was the plan, and that plan crumbled when when we put out another story with with uh, information about the interns. Since then, reactions have been uh, slowly leaking out. Um, you've got a, a just a drip drip of reaction. We initially asked for the... realty and politics. <laughs> I didn't see that. Drip we, drip. We, uh, we asked the governor initially, the lieutenant governor initially, for a response. They didn't offer one uh, on Monday, but they have since uh, given some sort of uh, remarks. What were, what were some of their comments? So we have a call from the House Democratic Caucus for uh, the speaker to resign or step down. We have uh, the governor, lieutenant governor today putting out a statement basically condemning the behavior that was outlined in the report about Cawthorne and Cassida, not naming either of them and not offering any specifics about what should be done. But both of them indicated that that kind of behavior is eroding public trust and and the office, uh, but neither of them offered any kind of concrete solution for what should be done and certainly didn't call for Cassidy to step down. We've spoken to a couple of Republicans today. We still have uh, more responses coming in. Uh, A couple of Republicans who have said they have concerns about moving forward um, with Glenn Cassidy as the speaker, and I should say more than a couple. We've we've spoken with more than a couple. We have a couple on the record. We have many others who have expressed uh, concerns off the record. 
so far, the uh, the consequences uh, haven't really led to much. Catherine resigned, of course. Uh, the, the speaker has essentially said, I, I'm still confident that the caucus stands behind me. He has today appointed uh, Scott Gilmer, who was most recently chief of staff to House Speaker Beth Harwell, uh, to the, the chief of staff position again. Uh, again, all of this fallout is going to continue. It's hard to believe that Glenn Cassida is able to once again, he's, he's sort of like the cat that has nine lives. I mean, he surrounded himself around Jeremy Durham, who got expelled from the legislature. He's, he's appointed and then later uh, took away his chairmanship to uh, 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 David Byrd, who has faced allegations of misconduct dating back to the 1980s. He surrounded himself with Kate Cothran. All of these things have been related to or involving uh, some form of support from from House Speaker Glenn Cassida. Could he survive this? That's the big question. I think a lot of Republicans right now internally are asking uh, what's to come if they if he does survive. And and as we were discussing earlier off the air, um, you know, this isn't the first scandal he's been attached to. And so far, even despite the people around him not surviving, Cassidy always has survived, despite putting, you know, his support behind these men uh, who ultimately fell. Um, this seems like it could be a little bit different. As of right now, we are still reporting this story out, so please stay tuned and uh, keep looking uh, to our various websites for our content. Okay, so aside from the House Speaker Glenn Cassida uh, ongoing discussions, whatever you want to call it, storyline, um, the big news last week was really the, the the final day of session, which, Natalie, you were there for kind of half of it. I appreciate your... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to catch a plane. I thought session was going to go... We all wanted it. At, at one point, I thought, earlier in the session, I thought session was going to go into mid-May because that's what they had originally said. So yeah. I was like, oh, we'll be fine to book this trip, leaving on a Thursday afternoon. Then they told us session was going to end that Wednesday. Also thought I would be fine, but that clearly was not the case. It very much didn't end Wednesday. It very much didn't end midday Thursday, as they then said. It went into the evening. Joel was there. I think it was a, about an 11-hour day of just uh, meetings and various happenings. Being held hostage inside the chamber, <laughs> fights breaking out. I mean, it, it really sounded like a circus from your live tweets in the afternoon. It, it certainly was. I mean, I think, obviously, the, the, the high point, um, the apex sort of of the, the business of the day was really around 5 o'clock when uh, when there was just this ruckus in the uh, the house. And, and you know, we the reporters are in the, the little booth area in the front of the house um, doing our work, and then you hear this hubbub and not really clear what happened, but it was at the entrance of the House chambers. We later found out, according to Democrats, that they were physically prevented from exiting uh, the chamber. Uh, that appeared to be at the direction who uh, the Speaker later admitted of, of Glenn Cassida, who had caught wind, apparently, of a mass effort to exit the chamber to uh, essentially eliminate the quorum. You need 66 members present to have quorum in the chamber. And they succeeded in that for a moment, at least? They did. Yeah. It was about 30 minutes the, where the there Democrats was just left. general confusion. The Democrats sought safe haven in the legislative library. Meanwhile, the speaker's up there ordering, can I do this? He questioned at one point uh, the state troopers to, uh, to you know, go get the Democrats 
Democrats who were no longer there. Quorum uh, failed to to be reached only because of uh, the lack of uh, the presence of some Republicans, many of whom were excused, but I counted at least three who were not excused and just not present when a quorum call was later held. Either way, it caused a huge hubbub. Uh, uh, it sounds like there was a kerfuffle between uh, Representative G.A. Hardaway and potentially a member of security. It's unclear whether it was a sergeant in arms or House Speaker Cassidy's uh, tr- state trooper. Um, there may be an, an ethics investigation, although I don't know if they want to open up the ethics investigation Pandora's box at this point. So. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they have a lot more to investigate than uh, who shoved who first. Yeah. So in the in the <laughs> slew of last minute, uh, uh, you know, bills that were passed, there was a, a host of controversial and non-controversial ones. One of them was a, a bill to create sort of an alternate gun permit system. Uh, it would sort of, uh, according to critics, undermine the current system and make gun permits cheaper for specifically concealed carry weapons. Uh, also, another bill that passed was a bill to require the governor to seek a block grant with CMS federal officials related to health care, the state's Medicaid uh, program. And, and that bill kind of held things up for a little while, too. There were some issues with um, the conference committee and Democrats not being appointed to it. Yeah. And so that is ultimately sort of what Democrats are saying led to the walkout. Uh, they wanted to amend the block grant bill in some capacity to force a, a floor vote on whether uh, Republicans would get behind uh, uh, Medicaid expansion. Uh, according to Democrats, uh, the speaker caught wind of that and left them off of the uh, conference committee. It's unclear whether that's actually what occurred or not. Uh, quickly fast forward, uh, after the walkout, after the wrap up of session, the usual end of session confab between uh, all of the leadership uh, was held. Um, the main news out of that was that Governor Lee essentially uh, said that he would not be vetoing, vetoing any bills. And he was also asked about a uh, lawsuit that was filed. Uh, it sounded like that same day over another bill uh, related to voter registration. Yeah, so the governor was pretty much immediately sued upon signing uh, this voter registration bill into law that would um, allow civil and criminal penalties to be imposed on organizers of voter registration drives if there are issues potentially with the voter forms. Um, the governor was sued by civil rights groups over that legislation, which this session has drawn uh, national attention um, for being, you know, extreme in a way that that critics would say uh, they haven't seen in other states when it comes to um, allegedly trying to suppress the vote. Of course, there were a whole a lot of bills that passed in the last day of session. One of the major bills that failed uh, was, was sort of what we colloquially colloquially? Yeah, there you go. Uh, dubbed a, a money cash grab in the press corps. Essentially, the House wanted to increase the amount of per diem and allowance money they could receive. The Senate wanted to increase the amount of money that uh, the uh, PACs could give to state senators. Uh, that bill was all congealed into one, ultimately failed uh, in in just a quiet fashion on, on the last day of session. Uh as we look to wrap up, there's a couple of last few major things that happened uh, earlier last week. Yes. So let's jump back to Wednesday, <laughs> the day that they thought they were going to get out. And yeah. And one of the big holdups was in the Senate yes. uh, over over uh, the governor's education savings account uh, legislation. 
Yeah, that day started with this conference committee that was just supposed to uh, once and for all end the standoff over vouchers between the House and the Senate. Of course, they had ironed everything out prior to this conference committee. Um, they, you know, basically walked in. There was very little discussion. The the two Democrats on the committee hadn't seen the most recent uh, amendment, essentially that was going to um, be the compromise between the two chambers ESA bill. And that, you know, that easily passes conference committee. Uh, But then when the Senate was voting on um, the bill as amended later that afternoon, there was suddenly concern about how much it was going to cost. There were uh, that morning when we got the fiscal note for this latest amendment, uh, my, my colleague Jason Gonzalez and I started going through it and it looked to be uh, the the program was going to cost 330 some odd million dollars. And we thought that was interesting given that the governor's office previously mentioned that it would cost about 125 million. So we worked on a story and that came out just before the Senate started taking it up. And lo and behold, there were suddenly a lot of questions about the fiscal impact of uh, the governor's signature education issue. Ultimately, it all got ironed out. They claimed the fiscal note that was handed out initially was false. They cleared it up and everything is kumbaya now, except the bill is probably, or the law soon to be, is probably going to head to the courts. Yeah, and uh, at least the debate that unfolded in the House, I know you were monitoring the Senate. Uh, We heard from Mike Carter, who dubbed himself a legal expert. He was a judge at one point who said he, by his reading, that the bill is solid, if it is struck down in court, then, you know, the ESA program would certainly not be spread statewide, that the way it's written, it that would never happen. He can vow that that's the case. Mike Stewart, the, the Democratic caucus chairman, uh, he's also a lawyer, uh, disputed that. So it's sort of a back and forth by, you know, people who are claiming to be experts on this bill. One last thing to uh, mention before we head out, uh, there was also a couple of bills that were dubbed a slate of hate bills uh, that members of the LGBT community and businesses aligned with them uh, were concerned about. Those ultimately didn't end up going anywhere on the final days of session, did they? No. So two of those bills last minute were sort of killed for the session. Uh, One that would allow adoption agencies to um, essentially deny services to same-sex couples Uh, on religious grounds, and another that would require the state attorney general to defend any school district's um, bathroom policy, essentially who can go to what bathroom, if it is challenged in courts. Both of those uh, were sent back to uh, committees for the year. As always, you can catch our podcast normally on Tuesdays. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it this week because of the move and and breaking other news. Um, You can find us on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Please continue to rate us. As always, it really helps. Uh, This podcast is always produced by Erica Whitney and John Garcia. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. 